How's everybody doing? Great. It's so good to see y'all in here. It's getting there. I'm walking less funny. It's still funny, but it's less. Yeah. <laughs> hey! Happy birthday, Pastor Ken. Those red shoes are making you stand out beautifully, sir. Love it. All right. All right, I got some business to take care of here before we begin. Uh, okay, so Elizabeth, do you want a beanie, a shirt, or a book for doing your homework? Okay, so, okay. You, there are two different types of books you can choose from. Just choose which one you'd like. Nate, Monier, he's not here. He's probably listening online. Um, the covers. What do you guys want? Books? Beanie? Yes. Are you getting the same thing? What do you want? A beanie? A book? All right. Uh, Matt Atkins. Who wants a book? Nobody wants a beanie. Jamie? You would say beanie. He's not getting, he's part of management. So, go, there's a, uh, I don't, if, you, I might not get, I might get you a different one if you, your size is not there. There's, there's a different color one though, too. And if you don't want that one, if you want the School of Spirit one, I can get you that one too. All right. Okay. It pays to do your homework. You know, it pays to do your homework. And um, I'm going to sit down with Tommy here for a little while, and we're going to respond to all the emails that you sent and the thoughts that you gave us. So thank you so much for those that respond. You can still respond. You can still do it. Class is not over, so you can still do it after this one. Okay, I am so excited about what's going to happen today because we are believing. I mean, the Holy Spirit has been with us, but we are going to make a request today. And I am believing that there's going to be a whole lot of activations. Uh, you're going to receive the empowering of the Holy Spirit to be able to use some of these gifts that we're talking about. And it's not just going to be for today. It's as you go, as you build the kingdom, you'll be able to use it. So we're going to wrap the class up because there's still some stuff that we haven't covered. And so Pastor Ken is going to finish that off. But once he's done, we're going to have a Holy Ghost party. Am I allowed to say that, Pastor Ken? Okay. <laughs> we're going to have a Holy Spirit party. So, yeah. Thank you, Pastor Ken. It's all yours. Thank you, sir. Praise God. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Pop-Tarts. You good? Okay. All right. <laughs> well, this is our last class, last one of four, supposed to be last week. We had uh, sewage. Sewage got fixed. Isn't that good to know? Amen. Sewage is a good thing when it's working right. So uh, we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to talk about, here's my title today, the gifts and baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So let's do a little bit of your review uh, just to kind of go over what we've gone over. And once again, I encourage you to take notes 
uh, write these scriptures down. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture, as you know, as I have been giving you a lot of scripture. Won't read it all, read some of it, but that way you have it for a reference point as you go back and study this. So, we are living in the church age, right? We're not in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. We're not in the millennium yet. That's coming up. Millennium is going to be awesome. The 1,000-year reign of Christ on the earth. But we are in the church age. And the church age is supposed to be marked by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. John 16, 7. Let's read that. John 16, 7. Jesus makes this statement. I probably read it before, but I'll read it again. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. It was good for us that Jesus went away. That sounds funny, but let's keep reading. Because if I don't, the advocate or the Holy Spirit won't come. If I, do go, or if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin, of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. So we're living in the age of the church and the Holy Spirit. The church, we, the church, you and me, not New Song Church. We're, New Song is part of it. But the, the body of Christ, we are to represent God on the earth, represent Jesus until he comes back. And we're to carry out his ministry in all the fullness that he operated in. Y'all write that down. We are to carry out the ministry of Jesus in all the fullness. Everybody say all. all. Let's, we can do better than that. Everybody say all. all. All the fullness. The fullness of everything that he did. And listen, he did some awesome things, right? But that's not over. This still goes on. Uh, and you know, when it con concerning using a lot of Scripture, I, I'm doing that, and I want you to write these things down so you can establish everything we're talking about firmly in the Word of God. Uh, there's a man who came to me in church a few weeks ago, uh, or I heard him talking. That, I'm going to back up. I heard this guy talking, and he made a statement. He said, you can find the gifts of the Spirit in the Bible, but you can't find out how to use them. Oh, contraire, that's not true. <laughs> the Holy Spirit or the, the New Testament is full of how the gifts of the Spirit operate. And the Old Testament, too. That's why we're giving you a lot of Scripture and going back and looking at these things. So, once again, three categories of spiritual gifts. Number one is the ministry gifts. We talked about that day one. These are instructive gifts. These are gifts that equip us, the church, for service. These are callings that equips everybody else in the church so the church can be what the church is supposed to be the body of christ not everybody has these five gifts these are callings of god these are equipping gifts okay and then uh pastor tondra i talked about the motivational gifts these are instinctive gifts these are natural gifts that god wires people with and i listened to his message i got some quotes from pastor tondra he did good didn't he uh he, he, he said this look to the fruit and not to the gift that's a good thing. He talked about true leadership empowers others. Doesn't just talk about how wonderful they are, but it empowers us. That's what the ministry gifts are supposed to. Uh, and he talked about mercy, the gift of mercy. Mercy is not giving somebody a pass so they can continue to sin. It is also mercy on the poor and marginalized. You said that. Sometimes people act the way they act because they just don't know. Prophets say, don't steal. But mercy says, let me help you. Why are you stealing? That's good. That's very good. Uh, you know, I just want to tell you, my daughter loves you. My, da my daughter, Brooke, lives in Tulsa. She listens to all the new songs, and she just loves Tondra. And, you know, how many love Tondra? 
Aren't he and Ashley awesome? Let's give him a hand for all they do. You know, he's so good. He's, you know, he's, I, I hope I measure up. I mean, um, you know, he's got that, that British accent thing going. Articulate, great vocabulary. I'm just, I'm from Texas. You know what I mean? So I, my insecurity showing right now, right? But, yeah. <laughs> but, but let me talk about Tondra. Let me talk about, this is what I've, I've, I've learned about you. You're a teacher, and you're a pastor, and you're motivated by mercy, though. And that's a good thing. My, my ministry gift, the way I seem to function, is I'm a little more apostolic. I, I'm really big on people getting the truth to the point that I can be harsh with it. <laughs> because if it's truth. You know, you have the truth, but if it's not delivered in the right way, you're like beating people over the head with it. So I'm not trying to beat you over the head, okay? But if you hear me being strong, it's because I am a, I am a defender. I want the truth. I, because the truth is our foundation for operation, right? So, and the truth is what sets us free to obey God. So, uh, anyway, I was thinking about some of the other staff people. Just, just throw, throw this out. Is that okay? The way they operate. Uh, for instance, Pastor Josh. Pastor Josh definitely is an apostle. He, he came to Oklahoma City, started a church from nothing, very apostolic. He also operates in the gifts of um, teacher, and pastor, and he's, he's motivated, though, by leadership. And he wants things to, to be right. He, he's got some of that from me. He, he looks at things. He's got a real ability to look at things and assess them and really determine how things are supposed to look. Uh, he was a graphic artist. So anyway, that's, that's some of his, his giftings. Now, Pastor Sarah, she's a teacher. She's very prophetic, but she's motivated by mercy. She loves deep. But she also, she also wants things to be right. If you, you hear her, she's like a mama bear sometimes when she's preaching, right? So, uh, you know, this is just some of the giftings and the way they, they operate. They, they interconnect in unique and different ways. So the gifts, the motivational gifts God put in you will They'll, they'll be expressed in different ways, and, and that's just the way God does it. So, motivational gifts. Now, spiritual gifts. These are empowering gifts. The, these are supernatural gifts. These gifts are available to everyone in the body of Christ. Ephesians 4, 7 says this. However, he has given each one of us a special gift. Notice, each one of us. Isn't that good to know? We can all operate in these spiritual gifts through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say when he ascended on high, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts unto men. And once again, the church cannot fulfill its commission of impacting the world without the power of God backing us up. Jesus walked in the power when he was here and he left and he handed that off to us. But he didn't leave us powerless. He's still the same. Uh, Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the days he walked the earth were not the only time he did miracles. He did, does miracles today. Isn't that good to know? Uh, and we are called, once again, to do the same works of Jesus. The purpose of these gifts, once again, is not to glorify a man or prove that you're a powerful Christian uh, or, or you got something and nobody else has it. No, these gifts can be used incorrectly if they don't glorify Jesus. And we don't want to do that, right? The gifts are designed to glor always to glorify God and to point people to Him. Not point people 
to a, to a man. So, First uh, Corinthians twelve lists the spiritual spiritual gifts. Let's go over them again. There are nine gifts of the spirit. They are to be grouped in groups of threes. So the first group is the revelatory gifts. These are gifts that reveal something. The revelatory gifts, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits are the revelatory gifts. Then we have number two, the utterance gifts. These three gifts are gifts that say something. They're declarative gifts. Uh, The gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, and then the gift of interpretation of tongues. And then we have the power gifts. These are gifts that do something supernatural. These are powerful supernatural gifts. They are the gift of faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, right? 1 Corinthians 12, 11 tells us, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he will. So you just don't pick out a gift that you go, okay, that I like that gift. I like that gift working of miracles. Because I'd like, well, man, it'd be cool to be a working of miracles kind of guy, right? But you just can't do it that way. The Holy Spirit is the distributor, and uh, he distributes the gift to people according to the need, right? So we study these gifts in their operation so that when the needs come up, we can be open for the Holy Spirit to use us. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, we read this and say it again. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, but earnestly desire, or even the King James used the word covet. Covet, that's a strong word, the best gifts. And then uh, Paul says, and yet I show you a more excellent way. We'll talk about that later. So the best gift is the one needed at the time. So let's review the revelatory gifts real quickly, one more time, all right? Revelatory gifts, number one, the word of wisdom. This is not the gift of wisdom. This is not a wisdom that is naturally learned through study. This is a supernatural word or a part of the vast wisdom of God. This is a piece of the wisdom that is revealed at a moment. It's a supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God concerning the divine purpose and plan of God. It is a glimpse from the Spirit into the future. A word of, not, a word of wisdom always have to, has to do with the future, right? Remember that? Then number two, the word of knowledge, a supernatural revelation of something that is present or something in the past. When the, while the word of wisdom deals with future, the word of knowledge is specific about the present or the past. It's more than natural knowledge you've studied and learned. Yeah, we need to study, but a word of knowledge is supernatural and speaks to events that are happening or have happened that is not known by natural acquisition. Everybody good? I know I'm, I'm talking fast. This is review, all right? Then number three is the discerning of spirits. This is a gift that discerns spirits, gives us insight into the spirit world. Because really, when you think about it, the spirit world is the real world. The natural world we live in, you know, that's what we can touch, feel, taste, see. Uh, to us, that's, if it's really real, we can touch it or, or taste it, or Right? But not necessarily true. Everything in the natural world, the parent world, is the spirit world. It began with God, and, uh, and then it came into the natural. So the discerning of spirits gives us insight into that world. It may be with your natural eyes. In other words, you may, God can open your eyes and show you spirits. Uh, it may be a spiritual perception or something you see spiritually. It allows people to discern evil spirits but also angelic spirits. 
It's not the gift of discernment. That's that's not a gift. It is the gift of discerning of spirits. Uh, and, and it works all sorts of different ways. Have you ever heard this term? Somebody say, well, I thought about doing that, but I had a check in my spirit. You ever heard that term? A check in my spirit. What does that mean? That means that there's something there's like. I heard somebody say it this way. You, you, you're, you're about to make a decision, but something scratchy on the inside. You, ever, you know what scratchy means? It's like, eh. It's like, bleh. It's like you go, okay, I don't know about this. That's the Holy Spirit trying to check you to keep you from doing something dumb <laughs> or something that will hurt you or say something that could hurt somebody. Uh, so th- there's many ways this, this can work, but God tries to help us with the discerning of spirits. That's one of the gifts. It can also be insight into the dispositions of people under good or evil tendencies. Tendencies. It can reveal the presence of a demon power possessing or oppressing a person, uh, somebody you're dealing with. You know, if you're dealing with somebody and it just seems very, very irrational what's going on, and I'm thinking I've had a lot, this happened a lot in my life. Sometimes you're dealing with the devil. Somebody you, is not reasonable and, you know, open. God wants to help us see that this goes a little deeper, and sometimes it does. You may see a demon, you may see demon activity in your spirit, not with a natural eye, but you can see, God wants us to see at times the way this gift operates into the spirit world. So those are those gifts. Now, the utterance gifts. We went over these. There are three of them. Number one's prophecy. And we talked about how simple prophecy is inspired utterance. And prophecy can generally cover all the gifts of utterance. It's prophetic. Uh, very common term in our time. Can prophecy show us things to come? Yeah, it can. But the specific gift of prophecy is defined this way. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So simple prophecy serves to edify or build someone up, to exhort, exhortation, to exhort, which means to encourage somebody about something that they already know, or to bring comfort. So it's not always, oh, thus saith the Lord, and it's, you know, it's real dramatic. You, you just may, it may work this way. You just see somebody and go, oh, I want to encourage them. I'm going to say something encouraging to them. I want to build them up. Or, or I appreciate that person. And you're, what you're doing is you are, are, are building them up. You're, you're helping them go, okay, good. Thank you very much. And that's a simple gift of prophecy. It doesn't have to predict to be prophecy. To prophesy to somebody uh, may be words of encouragement by the anointing of the Spirit. And just because you prophesy doesn't make you a prophet. Right. <laughs> right. Write that down. Just because you prophesy doesn't make you a prophet. And this is uh, this one is the one that people can get a little strange with, and uh, you know, you have to be careful of that. Verse uh, Corinthians fourteen thirty one says this: For you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be encouraged. First uh, Thessalonians five twenty says: Do not despise prophecies. And we talked about that. Why would somebody despise prophecy? Because you got an inaccurate one, because they can do damage if you just decide to haul off and give somebody something um, that frivolous, frivolously, I'll say. You need to check it out and make sure, especially if it's going deep into directing somebody and something that, that maybe you feel like God's told you, be very careful because you can, you can jack people's lives up like this, okay? And I've seen it done, if I can use that term. 
uh, it can be dangerous. And we need to be responsible, right? Yeah. Um, this gift can cause confusion and harm if it's used incorrectly. Uh, uh, since simple prophecy can just be giving somebody an encouraging word. I said all that. And then when you receive a prophecy, 1 Thessalonians 5.21, somebody tries to give you a prophecy. Uh, it says this, test all things. Test all things. Everybody say test all things. Check it out. Hold fast that which is good. If somebody gives you a prophecy and it doesn't bear witness, and remember, let's go back to this. You got a scratchy feeling. You got a check. Just throw it away. Just go, uh, thank you, and then walk away and leave it, leave it there. Because I've had people tell me things that were mm, not right. And, you know, sometimes they mean well. And, but, yeah, we have the right to judge these things. In the Old Testament, you could be stoned a little more responsible back then if you gave a bad prophecy. <laughs> So we don't live there, though. We live in the New Testament, and prophecy is totally different now. Yes, praise God. So First uh, Corinthians fourteen twenty nine says, "Let the prophets speak two or three, and let the others judge." So prophecy can be judged. Then we have different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. These two gifts go together. Um, these two gifts, many people are wary of, and for some reason they carry a stigma. I all the time, many times I've heard people talk when we talk about like receiving the gift of praying in the spirit uh i've had people that kind of uh, put their arm up and why because well i was in a meeting and i've heard this so many times somebody tried to make me pray in the spirit or they tried to push too hard on it or they were in a meeting and it was get, it was handled incorrectly uh and so this is this can be uh offensive to people but listen this is something that god chose it's not offensive because god chose it God chose other tongues uh, for, for many different reasons, which we'll be talking about. Uh, and, and it's a very powerful gift when used properly, right? Some Christians seen, have seen them misused and want no part of them. For some, they're mysterious and spooky. The devil has worked hard to create these ideas that put people off because of the power of this wonderful gift. Uh, so it's important to understand that the spiritual gift is tongues and is different than the gift of tongues that is given to the believer that is baptized in the spirit the spiritual gift is different it's not the same sometimes people get those confused and you got to understand sometimes paul's talking about the ministry gift of tongues but sometimes he's talking about just your prayer language or praying in the spirit to edify yourself uh, the gift of divers tongues and interpretation of tongues is very different uh, these gifts are designed to work together and have two uh, and these, the gift of tongues has two purposes. Number one, your private prayer language. This is for the believer when he prays. And God wants every, every believer, let me make this statement. God wants every believer to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with a prayer language. He wants you to have that. It's part of the gifting. It's like somebody said, sounds kind of corny, but somebody said, when you buy a pair of shoes, the tongues come with it. But when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit... The tongues come with it. <laughs> it's part of the gift. And, and wh what, what, is the, what is there about that? Well, it, it's God. You are praying a, a prayer to God, but it's God praying through you by the Holy Spirit. It's empowerment. It's, it's you being able to pray. You ever wanted to pray and you just kind of went, I don't know how to pray. You got something inside and you want to give it to the Lord and want to be able to express yourself but you just can't seem to find the English words. The Holy Spirit gives us words, gives us utterance that we don't understand with our natural mind, but it is the perfect prayer of God. It's something that we should do a lot.
And every believer can pray this way and then ask the Lord. Then you can move into praying in the spirit and then asking the Lord for interpretation. Uh, but this is a devotional gift. Tongues is a uh, th- what we're talking about now is a devotional gift for your private prayer life. But then there's a public prayer language. And this is for public ministry. Uh, look at First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. This talks about this. Uh, once again, Paul is talking about the the ministry gifts of the church. And he lays it out a little bit differently here with a little bit different emphasis. First Corinthians 12, 28. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations. This is like organizational gifts. Uh, Ashley operates in, in a big time in, in that. Uh, and, and then varieties of tongues. So this is talking about the ministry gifts of tongues. This is a tongue God uses with those who are called into ministry and it can be used for public service but it is if it is used it must be interpreted by an anointed and called minister these this this works together or you may be i I told the story about when i was in that church and and uh i had a sense i was supposed to give a tongue and then i interpreted i wouldn't have given that tongue if i knew that i wasn't going to give the interpretation I had an unction to give it, and I knew, okay, then the Lord's going to give me the interpretation. I wasn't just going to throw that out there and wait for somebody else to do it because I was being responsible. I was a guest minister in the church, right? And I just wasn't going to open up a can of worms. A lot of the times my wife and I move in that together, and Trudy will give that tongue, and then I'll give the interpretation. So this can work in different ways. But then, uh, if you remember the story, I gave that tongue, interpreted it, and at the end of the service, uh, uh, Hasidic Jew came up to me and understood he said you were speaking Hebrew but you were speaking ancient Hebrew and I understood what you were saying and it blew my mind I thought wow but that's it's really a it's really a language and the Bible said we speak in the tongues of men so sometimes it is a, a an earthly language but but also the tongues of angels the that which you know they have waves of speaking that we don't understand so uh, this is some of the ways these can be used and God is very creative sometimes he wants to do things in incredible ways to reveal his plan and his wisdom so done with the review ready to jump into today's message okay here we go today we're going to dive into the last group of three the power gifts I like talking about these these are cool they're all cool but this power everybody say power you know, power gifts these are awesome these are gifts that do something supernaturally here they are number one the gift of faith the supernatural gift of faith. Number two, gifts of healing. Gifts of healing. Those plural. And then number three, working of miracles. Notice that's not just miracles, but that's the working of miracles. So let's break them down. Number one, the gift of faith. What is the gift of faith? The gift of faith is a supernatural gift that is able to receive miracles. This is different than the faith that is the fruit of the Spirit. You know, faith, uh, natural faith. We all, the Bible said that we've all been given the measure of faith. It takes the faith of God for you to get saved and believe in the very outset that you can receive Christ. That took faith to do that. And God gives you the gift. He gave you salvation, but he also gives people the gift to receive it. Isn't that awesome? But this is not natural faith. This is supernatural faith. Uh, 
this faith, uh, you know, natural faith can be increased by studying the Word of God. In fact, Romans 10, 17, write this down. says this about that. This is natural faith, okay? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So how does faith come? Uh, Faith can come by hearing an inspired message, the Word of God preached, but it also comes by, it said, hearing, by hearing the Word, hearing your pastor preach, but also by hearing you say the Word of God. That's why it's good to get in the Bible and read it out loud. Read it to yourself. I do that a lot. I, I, I study the Bible. This is weird, I know, but I study the Bible. A lot of my quiet time, and this message this weekend is so awesome because Pastor Josh is talking about quiet time. A lot of my quiet time I spend in the bathtub. That's kind of weird, huh? But I got this great big old bathtub, and I've got a Bible I read in there. I got a little sign Trudy put up on the wall that says, Be still and know. And I get in there, and that's where God meets me. And, you know, the Scripture says you are clean through the Word. He spoke to you. So when I'm getting clean, I hear the Word. <laughs> it's just a place I, I'm in, and I'm comfortable. And God does talk to me there. But sometimes I get my Bible out, and I read it out loud with just me in the room. Why? Because that's where faith comes from. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing you say the Word of God. That's why you need to say it. You know, it's good to have some things, like every day you get up and say particular things. I got up early this morning, and I went and got some coffee. And it, because it's my birthday, I got a free coffee at Starbucks. And uh, that was pretty cool. And me, me and my little English bulldog are driving. It's dark. We're driving over to Starbucks, and I'm, I'm praising the Lord. Sorry I'm getting emotional because I did. But I thought, man, I'm, I've been around 72 years, and God is so good, so faithful. God is so good. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. He's awesome. He changed my life. No telling. No telling where i would be today but i begin to declare the word and remember scriptures and and faith come faith comes again I'm so glad it keeps on coming right that's natural faith but the gift of faith is supernatural it is a faith that goes beyond natural faith let's talk about examples uh, number one daniel in the lion's den that was the gift of faith in operation uh, here's daniel the, the, he's praying and and I'll go through this quickly. You know the story, but Daniel disobeys the king so he could obey God because Daniel's being hijacked by by some of the king's leaders who are jealous of Daniel because he's got so much favor in in the kingdom. And so uh, Daniel, the king, uh, comes up with this edict, we're not going to pray anymore. We're going to pray to anybody but you, king. And so Daniel heard that, and he drew a line, and he said, you know, I'm going to obey the king. But I got to obey God first. And so he continued to pray three times a day. So they grab Daniel and they throw him in a den of hungry lions. And he spent the night there. But the gift of faith went into operation. And the king came to find Daniel the next morning. And he opened up the, the, uh, you know, the dungeon where the lions and Daniel were. And he says, Daniel, are you still there? And Daniel says, oh, king, live forever. Throw me a rope. <laughs> and he spent the night. And all the and, uh, with all those hungry lions and was preserved by the gift of faith. Then the king says, wait a minute. All these guys that made this stupid rule in the first place, bring them here. We're going to throw them and their families in the lion's den. And the Bible said before their feet hit the ground, the lions grabbed them and ate them up. It's a true story. They were defeated. <laughs> Sorry. That's an old kid story I used to tell. <laughs> So why, 
You laughed at it. You need to be in kids' church. Okay, so why didn't the lions devour Daniel? Daniel didn't do anything. He just laid down and went to sleep. That is supernatural faith, my friend. That's a gift of faith. Uh, another amazing one, Jonah and the whale. You ever thought about this story? He's swallowed by a whale, <laughs> but he lived to tell the story. Uh, Jonah 117 says, Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. And uh, wow, it really happened. And then in Jonah 2, 1, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead. Yeah, I think so. And Lord, you heard me. How did that happen? It was a gift of faith that kept him alive so he could fulfill his commission. I mean, he's obedient, disobedient, running from God. And, but God sent a fish, so don't run from God. Okay, then Philip in the New Testament. This is a great story. A, uh, Acts 8.39. Let's read about this one, okay? Uh, aren't these gifts exciting? When they came up out of the water, the spirit, the, the, uh, Philip has, has baptized a eunuch and got him saved, right? That's backstory. And then, look what happened. And the Lord snatched Philip away. I love that. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. He got saved and right with God. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north in the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. So, wow, here's Philip. He's in one place, and he's translated to another city. I want that to happen when I travel. I don't, oh, so much better than American Airlines. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it really did happen. How did that happen? He had the gift of faith to do that. The gift of faith empowers you to do something you could not do on your own. Uh, Jesus operated in the gift of faith, of course. Uh, many times but here's one he was in a raging storm on the sea of galilee and instead of fretting and being nervous and you know i've been to israel and i learned this about uh the sea of galilee the sea of galilee is not the ocean it's a it's a big lake great big lake but uh probably i don't know this for a fact so don't quote me but it's it's probably a, a little smaller than lake hefner so it's not like massive massive but uh but the way the topography is in that land and the way the weather systems work they this is what they told us we went out on that on the sea of galilee in a little boat they said that a storm when it comes up because of the hills around will come up and then it will hit the sea of galilee quickly like you don't know it's coming and kabam there you are and you're in the middle of it and that's probably what was going on that day uh, but here's jesus he's asleep in the boat mark 4 38 gives the account of this and Jesus is sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And Jesus spoke to the, uh, to the sea and said, Peace be still, right? How did he do that? He's asleep in the middle and then, hey, calm down. Uh, that's a gift of faith. It's a gift of faith. It's a supernatural gift that comes on you to accomplish the will of God in your life in a situation that is affecting you. Uh in, in just what I've observed, Pastor Josh operates in this gift. He's one I've seen operate in this. It takes the gift of faith to start a church from scratch and make it work. You know, his story is he was working in another church and had a, had a nice cushy, cushy little job there. Great church, great ministry. But God spoke to him in Sarah's heart, and they wanted to plant a church. They'd had that in their heart ever since they got married. And so the day came. 
that they took a big old gulp and they stepped out in faith with no guarantees they came to oklahoma city believing god because god put that in them that's a gift of faith operating to come start from something from scratch like that uh i watch him sometimes now as we're you know we're building this building talking about what we need to do and and how he operates with you know handling millions of dollars and he's just pretty cool and collected about it and he's able to kind of put it in a framework that simplifies it and and this is what we're going to do and that's a gift of faith i think trudy and i had faith to travel a gift to travel for 20 years we travel just about every weekend we leave on friday most of the time come back on mondays but sometimes we'd be gone a week and hit a couple of churches and i think that was a gift of faith because that's waning on me now i think some of us i'm getting older but now i, I still travel some but i don't have the jump in my step i used to if you know what i mean i still love to preach but i don't want to do that again that was a lot so god empowers people with the gift of faith to do particular things that makes sense number two working of miracles what does that mean well a miracle is a supernatural intervention into the ordinary course of nature it's a supernatural it's always supernatural that's what a miracle is you know, people call a sunrise, that's just a miracle. N no, it's beautiful. I watched the sunrise this morning. It's awesome. I praise God when I see it. You know, you, you think about the Lord. But that's not a miracle. That happens every day, okay? That's the process that God created for the earth to operate with. But a, a, a gift of the working of miracles is a supernatural intervention into the natural world. That's a good way to say it. Does that make sense? It's supernatural. And notice it's not the gift of miracles. It's the working of miracles. Meaning this is very important. Write this down. It's a cooperation of man and God in performing, performing the miracle. See, here's the thing about it. Us doing a miracle without God ain't going to happen, right? Because we can't do that. Now, God can do a miracle, and he could do this any way he wanted to because he's God. But here's how he's chosen to do it. He's chosen to partner with a human being to carry his plan out. You know, God just doesn't arbitrarily jump around and do things. You notice that? He always operates through human vessels. Jesus had to come. God just didn't change everything. So, somebody from heaven had to come and do that. And Jesus came and became a natural man to fulfill the, the plan of God, to, to take away the curse of sin to bring us back to God uh, legally. It was legally done. Isn't that amazing? You are a child. You and I are children of God today. Why? Legally that was done because of what Jesus did. So this is a partnership of God and man. Uh, or we could say it this way, that a man has something to do in order for this gift to work. If a man doesn't do his part, there will be no miracle. This is a partnership to do something supernatural what an honor it is to partner with the lord isn't it you think about it that way so let's give you some examples of this that and, and all of these are going to speak to the partnership of god and men old testament moses delivering the children of israel there were 10 plagues that came you know this story you watch the movie they were all supernatural but god needed moses to partner with him right uh exodus chapter 7 talks about that uh, when God told Moses to throw down his rod, he, he gave him a rod and it became a serpent. So all these miracles involve Moses speaking and using that rod. 
partnering with God. It was God that did it, but he needed Moses to do his part to get it done. Uh, and all those things that happened. Uh, it took Moses using the staff. It was a design, divine partnership. And he did ten miracles. Ten plagues came on Egypt. It's very interesting. All these plagues, uh, they were the, the, what was behind all of them was it was judgment against an Egyptian god. <laughs> In every one of those plagues. All ten of them. So, uh, God and Moses did those miracles. Elijah and the widow is a miracle, working of miracles. The widow's cruise of all that didn't fail but kept flowing like a fountain. Go to First Corinthians chapter, I'm sorry, First Kings chapter 17. Uh, this is where Elijah comes to the village of uh, Zarephath. I got to be quick here and move on. And there's a lady, that a widow. And he asked her to bring him a cup of water. This is First uh, Kings seventeen eight through about um, sixteen. And she's about to make a little bit of bread, and her and her son are going to die. There's a famine in the land. But look at verse thirteen. But Elijah said to her, "Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said. But make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son." For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised. This was an ongoing miracle. Wow. This stuff just kept on multiplying for days on end. But it took Elijah to come in and work it, right? You know, I heard a story one time about a guy that was in a meeting and he had a glass eye. And uh, so he came up for prayer. And, uh, and God didn't give him a new eyeball, but that glass eye, he was able to see out of it. And then I heard that this guy then is just living life with a glass eyeball. He can take in and out, but he can see out of this glass eyeball. That's an ongoing working of miracles. Isn't that cool? So God can do this all sorts of cool ways. Uh, so New Testament. Let's talk about New Testament. The apostles. Acts 5.12 tells us the apostles were performing. Notice this word performing. And the NLT says that. They were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. So miraculous signs and wonders were being carried out by the apostles. It was a working of miracles. Jesus, uh, of course, operated in the working of miracles many times. One of them, Acts 6, where he fed 5,000 men, it says, one day out on a hill where he's teaching. Remember the story? 5,000 men. You know, we read that and we don't understand it without some, some back knowledge because I don't know why they did this, but they only counted the men. But you know that there were women there, right? Probably more than men, because all pretty much all the time there's more women in a meeting than men. More women come to church than men. It's just a fact. And then you got men and women, you got kids. So you got it probably at least twenty thousand people there. So Jesus takes five loaves and two fishes, blesses it, he does his part. It's a working of miracles, for uh, partnership with God. Had everybody sit down, gave thanks, passed out the loaves, and twenty thousand people are fed. Think about that. That's like a big, if we filled up Sooner Stadium, it'd be about, what do they hold, 100,000 people? It'd be about a fifth of the stadium, and we feed all those people. 
Uh, I'm just trying to make you see. This is a lot of folks, right? It's a miracle. And then they gathered up 12 baskets after it was over. Uh, Gifts. So now that's the working of miracles. Everybody good with that? Okay, let's talk about the gifts of healing. We'll talk about this one, then we'll take a break. Good. The third one of this, the power gifts, the gifts of healing. These are gifts of healings are manifested for the supernatural healing of sickness and disease without any natural source or means. This is the only gift that has a plural in the name. Gifts of healing. Uh, Jesus healed people and 22 times is, was instantaneously. 12 times it was by faith. So there's 34 times Jesus healed people. And uh, he operated in this gifts of healings. Healing can come in many ways. Got to understand that. It's not always a miracle. That's what throws people. It's not always you come to the altar and we pray and kabam, it's a miracle. And you walk away and you not, it's gone. It, it'd be awesome, but it doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. Uh, but here's what you can always do. You can claim a healing promise from the Bible all by yourself. You can stand on it. And God will heal you if you make your stand of faith. And don't throw it away because his promises are true. Can I hear an amen? His promises are true. Are there healing promises in the Bible? Yes. Let me say, are there? Yes. yes, there's healing promises. 2 Corinthians 1.20, write this down. Oh, what a scripture. I love the scripture. God took the lid off. For all the promises of God, everybody say all. All, all means most of the time, right? No. Huh? Does all mean most of the time? No, all means all. Everybody say all. all. For all the promises of God are in him, yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Why does God want his promises to come to pass in your life? Because it glorifies him. You know, when I tell the stories of, of the healings that and Trudy's had been healed by so many th- about so many things, uh, it, it always glorifies God. And, you know, if, I, if I'm talking to somebody about Jesus, and they're reluctant, and I'm telling them about the Lord, and they go, eh, I don't know about that. I don't, I, don't, I don't believe it that way. I'll say, okay, well, you believe what you want to, but here's what God did for me. He healed my wife's eyes, and I tell that story. And you can, you can say you don't agree with the Bible. You can say you don't agree, but you can't take out of a person what God did for them. I mean, you can say, I don't believe that, and I say, well, that's your problem, because <laughs> I saw it happen. It was real, right? So God wants to do that. He wants to be a witness to people so they can see that there is a God in the world. That's what we're called to do. That's why we need these gifts. Also, there's nothing wrong with going to the doctor and seeking natural means to be healed. There's nothing wrong with that. Many times God works his power in conjunction with doctors and medicine. If you're taking medicine, what you need to do is pray over it and ask God to bless it. And and God works in conjunction with medicine. Remember my story about how Trudy was dying of kidney poisoning. You've heard that story? Back in 1986, I won't give you a lot of detail, but but she's in the hospital. She'd just kind of been sick. We thought she had a virus, and then we took her to the doctor. They put her in the hospital, said she had a kidney infection. But this rocks on through the day, and uh, it turns into kidney poisoning. The the doctor came in that night about 10 o'clock and said, Mr. Blunt, I need to talk to you. He was serious. Uh, He said, uh, I want you to know what we're facing here. Your wife is very weak. She hasn't eaten in a few days now he said uh she has kidney poisoning and if this medicine we're giving her the best we can but this thing we could lose her in the night i just want you to know what we're facing i'm oh my are you kidding me she was only 
32 years old. I got little kids. And man, it hit it hit me like a ton of bricks, of course. But thank God I knew the promises of God. I didn't feel like quoting the promises of God, okay? If you're going to go by how I felt, I felt like crying and saying, God, how can this happen? But I made my stand, and I got his promises, and I got my Bible out in that hospital room, and I began to, and I just went, okay, it's going to be me, and I'm going to stay here, and I'm going to claim this stuff, and I'm going to fight this thing out in Jesus' name. And, and I was scared, and it was tough okay i'm just telling you i wasn't like oh everything's going to be fine no problem no 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 i'm battling man sometimes you battling and i'm battling and i'm walking around the room and but i got to a place i didn't care nurses are coming in and out but i just i would praise god and i would i was out loud i was praying in the spirit and i got to where i didn't care if the nurses came here or not because it's life and death so i went to sleep in a little chair about five in the morning it's, you know how those hospital chairs are. It was a pleather chair. You know what pleather is, right? I can still see that chair, orange pleather hospital chair. And I'm, I'm asleep in that chair, and I hear this little voice. Kenny. Kenny. It's Trudy. She hadn't talked to me in hours. I ran over. She said, I'm hungry. Can you get me some food? She has a little tiny voice. Can you get me some food? I said, yes. So I ran down the nurse station. I need bacon. I need eggs. Quick. Now, toast. Come on. We need food. She's hungry. We, we came back in. She sat up in bed and began to eat. She just began to come out of that thing. And the doctor came in later that morning and did a double take. And he said, has the dead risen? And I said, yes. And God is so good. There's no, they, the, the doctor told me later, he said, you know, really? He was a believer, this doctor. There's really no medical reason she came out of that because it was bad but God, that was the that was a gift of healing at work but it it was in conjunction with the medicine you know we she was in the hospital so God can do that uh so but whenever sickness comes know this it is always the will of God for you to be healed now write that down it's always always now you know some people you say well that was a great christian and they died, and I don't understand it. And don't try to understand it, because you can't understand it. You don't know. You don't know what that person was thinking. You don't know the circumstances they were facing. They're not you, okay? Don't judge what the promises of the Bible by somebody else's circumstance. No, as God said it, and you know, there's a lot of things in the Bible I don't understand, but the things I do understand, I hold on tight to, right? And healing is from God. Uh, Jesus paid the price for this. And he wants people to be healed. Matthew 8, 16. i got to hurry. When the evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. Matthew 8, 16. And he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So the gifts of healing... That was supernatural. The gifts of healing are always supernatural. They seem to be more prominent in the New Testament, too. You don't read a lot about healing in the Old Testament. You ever thought about that? I heard somebody say this, and I, I liked it, so I wrote it down. It's like in the Old Testament, God was further away. He dealt with the prophets, just a few, and the king, some of the kings, not all the kings. But not necessarily with, with uh, you know, just the people. But in the New Testament, he got closer. And Jesus came to get close to people and touch them and heal them. And so we see a lot more uh, healing in the New Testament. 
It's about God coming coming closer. How are the gifts of healing manifested? Write these down quickly, and I got, I'm going to wrap this up. Number one, by the laying on of hands. That's one of the ways this happens. Luke 4.40. When the sun was setting, all those who had, uh, ha- had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. So the laying on of hands, you can do that. But that's not the only way. Uh, the Great Commission commands us to go and pray for people for them to be healed. Uh, Luke 16, and let me see, I don't want to read this whole thing. Luke 16, 18, they will take up serpents if they drink anything deadly. This is Jesus' commission to to his apostles. It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So there's a laying on of hands uh, for people to recover. Number two, you can speak the word or decree the word. I've already kind of hit on that. Matthew 8, 8 is about the story about the Roman centurion that came to Jesus and his servant was tormented and paralyzed and Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. And the centurion, uh, he's going to lay hands on him, I'm sure. And the centurion says, no, you don't even have to do that. Wow, this guy had great faith. Jesus said he did. He said, all you have to do is speak the word. And Jesus was amazed at the faith of this guy. Uh, And he told him, because you believe it has happened. And he went home and his servant was healed. Uh, there's a perception that kind of comes with this gift of healing. Where it, it can work with the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. Uh, and it talks about this in Acts 14.8. And Paul is in Lystra and there's a certain man that has, uh, just write these down and read them later. Uh, he's crippled in his feet and Paul was speaking. And he observed him intently and saw that he had faith to be healed stop right there that's verse 9 saw that he had faith how did he see that faith he perceived it once again in his spirit he just went that guy's got faith to be healed there's something about that guy was paul was drawn to him and so there was a faith that that uh, that was a gift of healing manifested uh so that can work that way uh, also healing can work through fabric from time to time it talks about this, uh, Acts 19, 11. God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. So this is unusual, but it can't happen. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons were brought to him uh, from his body to the sick, and diseases left them, and evil spirits went out of them. Wow. Uh, the hem of Jesus' garment, that was cloth. Uh, a lady touched the hem of his garment and was healed. Uh, number four, Peter's shadow passing over people. That's an unusual gift of healing. That's in Acts 5.15. I know I'm going quickly. Am I giving you time to write these down? Um, But I believe in the gifts of healing because they are in the Bible. Amen. And then I believe in the gifts of healing because I've seen them in operation. I've seen. I saw my wife who was had crossed eyes growing up. You've heard many of you heard this story, but I'll say it again because it's my story. And one night in a prayer meeting, she was prayed for, home prayer meeting. They anointed her with oil. They didn't, they weren't really that, they didn't even know much about the Bible. Somebody says that night. Uh, somebody asked Trudy, Trudy, you believe Jesus could heal your eyes? She had severely cro- crossed eye, one of them in particular, and impaired vision. She wore real thick glasses or contact lenses. And uh, Trudy, you believe Jesus could heal you, your eyes tonight? She says, yes, I do. That's faith, right? So they said, somebody says, let's, 
we could anoint her with oil. Somebody says, what kind of oil do you use? They don't know. They're just baby Christians. Somebody said, we got some Crisco in there in the pantry. Let's try that out. Okay, so they got Crisco oil. They put a little oil on her forehead, prayed for her, and an hour later, it took an hour, but she's walking by a mirror, and her eyes are doing funny things. She looked in the mirror, and her eyes were straight. She put her glasses on. She couldn't see. Took them off. Her vision was 20-20. I was an unbeliever. She came home that after next day, afternoon. I've been out on the lake. It was the 4th of July. I was drinking and fishing. That was me back in 1971. I walk in the house. She's standing there. She said, come here. I said, what? She said, look at me. I didn't know what she's going to do. I said, why? <laughs> she said, look at my eyes. And when I looked at them, they were straight. How are you going to argue with that if you're an unbeliever? Right? I believe God heals people. He's a healer. So we need to be bold to lay hands on people and pray for them. Uh, that's our commission. We're carrying out that commission. We do it by faith, but sometimes those gifts will go into operation. And when that happens, that's awesome, right? So there are the nine gifts of the Spirit. Now, here's the question. How do you activate the gifts? We're going to talk about that. But first, we're going to take a little break. you got five minutes. See you back. Okay, you all ready? Let's get rolling on the clock here. How do you acti activate the gifts? 1 Corinthians 14.1. Turn there. How do, you, how, do you, how do you begin? So here we go. Number one, or 1 Corinthians 14.1. Pursue love or follow after love, King James says, and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy so flowing in the gifts i believe begins with simple prophecy simple prophecy remember what that is exhortation uh, comfort uh no i can't i can't quote it back to you but uh but simple prophecy in other words uh just beginning to act on words that you that you feel like you're getting but for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks of mysteries. It's another trigger that will open up for you to operate in the gifts, to pray in your prayer language. But where does the prophesying begin? It begins, I believe, by prophesying to yourself. <laughs> oh, here's our scripture. He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. So prophecy is the trigger, I believe, that opens up the gifts to flow. Prophesying to others won't be accurate, though, unless you learn to prophesy first to yourself. Prophesy to yourself, Pastor Ken? Yes. That's how it begins. How do you begin? you got to talk to you. Look at Ephesians 5.18. Or in other words, you have to begin to get full of the Spirit. You begin to, you, you interact with the Holy Spirit. You welcome Him. You begin to flow with Him. And how does that work? Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, I can attest to some of this because I used to drink wine and beer. That was my thing, drinking beer, really. And why did I do that? Because it affected me. I'm taking in something from the outside that makes me begin to feel differently. That's why people do that. Uh, it's, it's false joy. It's not the real thing, right? Because here's the thing. You may feel pretty good for a while you know scripture says sin has pleasure for a season but then the next day you, you're going to have to deal with the repercussion of that which is called a hangover had many 
okay, in my, in my day. But, but people drink because it affects them. Well, we're supposed to drink it in of the Spirit. We can do that. How do you do that? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Next verse. Speaking to yourself. He talked to you in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. One of the great ways to do that is to begin to sing and praise God. And we can do that, uh, especially in our time, you know, with Spotify and your phone. And you're not, you're not without worship music. In my day, you, you didn't have that so much. Uh, but we begin to sing, or you can just sing by yourself and begin to sing to the Lord. And, Lord, I love you and I praise you. And just begin to sing and give him glory. And the Bible said that begins to fill you with the Spirit. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord and give thanks for everything to the to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what's going on. You fill yourself up when you speak to yourself. I talked about getting a group of scriptures that you quote over your day. Just declare things. I have things I declare pretty much every day. I change them up so so we'll have a little variety and I just don't get in a rut. But and then begin to sing and praise God. And then here's a really good way to get full is to give thanks just begin to think about what has god done for me that i'm enjoying and thank you lord thank you for my car i'm so glad i had a car this morning and i got to drive to church and i didn't have to hitchhike and you know walk out in my neighborhood and wait for somebody no this is great to have a car and a car is great and then i got in my car and i had worship music that i, I played i had a song i got a song i'm on right now from a, a lady named jenny grind that was from the 70s she's gone home to be with jesus now see i'm an old dude but this uh, you know i get songs that speak to me you got to find something that talks to you and man i'm listening to, i listened to this song four times before i got here this morning same song and i'm by the time i'm getting here we're gonna get get out of my way devil i'm gonna go preach and help people today right you get filled with the spirit so you got to speak to you and then singing and praising god gets you full and when you get full you can begin to overflow to others. And this is very important. As we've talked about, these gifts are not just for you to be blessed, but, but in order for you to bless others, you've got to first be blessed, right? You need to be full. It's not for you to just say, I have that gift or this gift, but it's to bless people and lift up Jesus to the world. So how do I begin, you know, how do I do that with other people after I get full? First uh, Corinthians 12, 31. We've already read it. But the gifts operate, in fact, write this down, write this down. The gifts operate at maximum effectiveness and accuracy when we love people. Said so we're to follow after love and desire spiritual gifts. Follow, how do you, we desire, or we want them to happen, but how we do it, we follow after love. I got a, I got a preacher friend that uh, travel he's and when he was a younger guy traveling oh he wanted god to use him in the gifts when he was preaching and he would go to churches and uh, and he'd say lord i want to be used and the lord dealt with him about this you need to operate in love so he said i'd get in services and i'd just look at, at people and i'd look at them individually and i'd say I'd, on the inside i'm saying lord i love that person lord i love that person love that person love that person love that person. love that person look he said i just go around the room and he said i'm i'm acting on love though he said, I'm, and I'm desiring, I want to help that person. I love that person. And that's the way the gifts began to move, out of compassion, right? The Bible said Jesus was moved with compassion and cared about people. He laid himself aside and, and was able to wade into this 
Wow, God waded into this wicked world in which we lived because he loved people so much to help them. And he did it supernaturally. So 1 Corinthians 12, 31, earnestly desire the best gifts, yet I show unto you a more excellent way. And then he talks about love. And here's what love is. Uh, look at verse 4 in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It's not gripey. It keeps no record of being wronged. Well, that's a big one. Somebody does you wrong, you kind of want to chalk it up. Remember it, right? <laughs> Love doesn't do that. Love goes, I'm going to let that go. That wasn't right. It didn't say that you don't think it wasn't right. If somebody did you wrong, they did you wrong. But you choose as an act of your will. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna let that go. Sometimes you gotta grit your teeth to let it go. Sometimes you, it takes you a while to really let it go, right? See, here's what you forgive, first of all, by an act of your will. And then the feelings will come later. And, you know, I've had situations where I walked away from a certain thing, and the relationship, just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean the relationship gets fixed either. Especially if somebody doesn't, necessarily want to have a relationship with you i've had that happen where i just went okay lord i grip my teeth and forgive and i fought some feelings for a while and i've had relationships where years later i got one in particular i'm thinking about where years later it came back around and now i've got a relationship with that person again but it took some time i'm just saying but you got to let it go now because it will hinder you from what the holy spirit can talk to you about it'll block you it'll block the holy spirit's working in your life i said that for somebody where am i here uh whenever it does not rejoice about injustice and rejoices whenever truth wins out verse six verse seven love never gives up never loses faith is always hopeful endures through every circumstance prophesying and speaking in tongues and unknown and speaking unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless why was that why is that because when it says but love will last forever because there's coming a day when we won't need those things because we'll be face to face with jesus in the millennium and we won't need these gifts anymore but they're for now right uh, but so this is what this this is how you get full but you can't be filled with the Spirit without being baptized in the Spirit. Let's talk about being baptized in the Spirit. The trigger for flowing in the gifts of the Spirit is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for every believer. And when you're baptized, you get to speak in other tongues. It's a part of the package. Remember, you get the shoes, the tongue comes with it. You get the baptism, it comes with it. But before I talk about this, let me take the pressure off. This morning, we're not going to make anybody talk in tongues. <laughs> Does that make you feel better? We're not going to force anybody in any way. That's not what we're going to do. Now, we're going to give you a chance, but if you don't choose to do that, that's up to you. And God's not mad at you, and we're not either. And here's, I'm saying that to, to take you off the hook so you won't think we're, because of where I'm going to be going here, and we're going to pray for people to be filled with the Spirit, so you won't think we're going to make you do anything. We're not, okay? That's not our purpose. But what is the purpose for speaking in tongues? Let's talk about it for just a minute. It's to empower you with the fullness of the Spirit so you can be a bold witness for Jesus. Remember, it's, a, it's, a, it's separate and apart from salvation. 
Salvation is, is, is an experience where your spirit is made brand new. Remember back to day one when I brought the pitcher in the water up? And I talked about how that the pitcher, uh, you know, we pour it, pitchers God, the water of the spirit goes into the glass uh, a little bit. That's what happens when you get saved. You have God living on the inside of you. He's there. But then you can be full of the spirit to the point that it overflows out of you. And, and that's what God wants for all of, his, all of his believers. So it flows out. And how's one of the ways it flows out? It flows out by you speaking in this language. Does that make sense? Uh, when a believer is baptized in the Spirit, God makes available the gift of speaking in tongues or speaking in a language that is not understood by your mind. Uh, and, and what is the purpose of this? And I've already touched on this. Sometimes we want to express our heart to God in prayer, but we don't know exactly how. Romans 8.26 talks about this. If you want to turn there and the holy spirit helps us in our weakness for example we don't know what god wants us to pray for but the holy spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed and uttered in words some people have interpreted that that god's up in heaven praying for you but i don't think that's what that's saying the holy spirit pray is the holy spirit's on the earth and he prays for us by with that that's not god's groanings that's ours and we can't express it in articulate speech. That's got to be talking about us as people, right? These groanings spoken of, spoken of here are praying in the Spirit. So praying in the Spirit is a way to be filled. And then praying in the Spirit builds us up. Jude 1.20 says, uh, uh, says this, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now this term, building yourself up, is an architectural term. And here's what it really means. When you're praying in the Spirit, you're praying out the blueprint of God for your life. Because God has a blueprint for you to follow. Uh, it's like, I'll see, you know, we all have chapters of life. We're walking down this road. There's things you're going to need in the future. There's, there's turns and, and twists in this road. I can, I've, I've been around 72 years, I can tell you. It's, it, it, it gets wild sometimes, right? And, and when we pray in the Spirit, we are, I believe, praying out the architectural blueprint of God for our lives, for you as an individual. You don't understand it with your mind, but you just, by faith, pray in the Spirit, and God begins to work things out for you and talk to you and, and carry out His plan. Uh, and this is just a couple of purposes for the Holy Spirit. But God wants people to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and part of that is you get to pray in another language. Now, there's a New Testament pattern for this. I'm going to hit this quick, so write down quick. You ready? Because I'm not going to read these. But there are five times in the, new, in the book of Acts that people were filled with Spirit. And let's see how many times that they spoke in this language. Number one is when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2-4. It says, everyone present, all 120, were filled with the Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them his disability so did they pray in the spirit at the outset yes right that's that's the initial thing that happened the next the second account is acts 8 9 and this is simon the sorcerer and simon is like a witch doctor uh but simon uh is drawn to the power of god and he uh I, they think he got saved okay but then it says in uh Verse 18, Acts 8. You can read this later. When Simon saw that the Spirit of God was given when the apostles laid 
their hands on people. He offered them money to buy this power. Now, here's what we don't see. We don't see, it doesn't say what Simon saw. But Simon's a, a witch doctor, and he saw something supernatural being transacted there, right? What did he see? I believe he saw people receiving their prayer language, but he doesn't say that. So we can't use that one, maybe. But he saw something that caused this guy who was into the supernatural to want say, I want to pay money to get this. And they told him, well, your heart's not right. You can't do that. So uh, they, they told him to repent. So that's the second account. So we can't say that they, that they did, but something happened. This, the third account, Acts 9. This is Ananias. Uh, when uh, he prayed for Saul, who was a persecutor of Christians, remember the story about Saul who became Paul? He prayed for him that he might regain its sight. And so he then received the Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't say spoken tongues, but we know 1 Corinthians 14, 18. Paul said this, Thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. So I believe he received then, but if he didn't, he received it later. So we got two out of three. Okay. Uh, account four, Acts 10. This is the account of Cornelius and how Peter got the revelation that the Gentiles could be saved. And it says in verse 16, 46, I'm sorry, Acts 10, 46, they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit? So did they pray in tongues? Yes, they did. And then the last one is uh, Apollos was in Corinth. And uh, Paul comes in, Apollos has been preaching there. And Paul comes in and says, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? So he's uh, relegating that there is, there's two experiences you get saved, and then you receive the Holy Spirit. And they said, no, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. They've just been saved. Then, then uh, what, baptize, how, what baptism were you baptized under? And they said the baptism of John. And so uh, Paul preached to them, and then he prayed with them about receiving the Holy Spirit. In verse 16, the Holy Spirit came on, them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So did they speak in tongues? Yes. So we have clear definition that four out of the five times in the new testament book of acts when they received they spoke in tongues i believe it's five out of five but can't say for sure but enough but we can say most of the time that's what happens right so pastor ken can i baptize be baptized in the spirit without speaking in tongues yes you can i believe you can and here's why i say that and here's why we're kind of big on that around here because some people when it comes to the gift of tongues they kind of use it like a badge and i've seen people that i've known that they did pray in the spirit like I've, you ask somebody have you been filled with spirit you pray in the spirit oh yeah i did that 15 years ago when was the last time you did it 15 years ago oh, and it's, it's, it's kind of like a badge that they wear and that's not what it's for it's for you to use it's for you to it's for every day of your life we need to be praying in the spirit it's a powerful gift so there's two things you must do to be filled with the Spirit and pray in other tongues. Two things. Let me give them to you quickly. You ready? Number one, you must ask. The way you receive the Holy Spirit is you're first a Christian. First, you want to be born again, right? An unbeliever cannot receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You're getting out of order. First, you got, this has got to be somebody that's saved, that the Spirit of God lives in them. And then Luke 11 Jesus is talking about this, and he makes a statement in verse 12. For if, if they ask you for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? And he's talking about as, as a father, you give your children a fish. Uh, and when they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? And Jesus is making the correlation 
that if you if children come to a good father and ask him for something they'll give that to him he'll give that to them right because he's a good father and then he makes this statement verse 13 if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will the whole heavenly father give the holy spirit to them that ask him so number one you have to ask and when you ask you have to believe that god wants you to have this and he does if you're a child this is part of what he wants you to have and then when you do you can speak you get to speak acts 2 4 the holy spirit is poured out right on the day of pentecost 120 people praying 120 people uh fill the spirit praying in other tongues and in uh, acts 2 4 it says this look at this in your bible acts 2 4 and they that's 120 were all filled with the holy spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance now let me ask you a question it's an important question i don't want you to answer out loud but who did the talking when they were filled with the Spirit? Was it the Holy Spirit or was it the disciples? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't say anything. Nobody. How many believe it was the Holy Spirit? Just raise your hand up real quick. You're not in trouble. Whatever. You, just, just, you believe it's the Holy Spirit. Okay. Okay. Just, yeah. Okay. How many believe it was the disciples? Who's the disciples? Let's look at it again. And they, who's they? Is that the disciples or the Holy Spirit? Disciples. They. Yeah, Garris. Okay. Yeah, when you plow that when you plow that out in the original language. That means which cannot be uttered in articulate speech. Or in other words, it can't be uttered with your, what you know with your, with your, your language in articulate speech. In other words, it's inarticulate. Your mind doesn't get it. But it's something you pray out in the Spirit. Okay? Does that make sense? And they begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them. So, back to this. The they is the, is the disciples, 120, right? They were all filled, and there's a, there's a conjunction that joins the first part of the sentence with the second part, English lesson here, right? And the subject didn't change. It says, and began to speak. So we could say it this way, proper English. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues. Or we could say, it'd be proper, because you don't have to put the, the subject in because of the conjunction right okay english teachers okay <laughs> so we could say and the disciples were filled with the holy spirit and the disciples began to speak with those things. why are you making a big deal about that pastor Kim? because some people they will ask god they want to receive this and they ask they want to ask and they'll ask god for it but they think the holy spirit's like going to come on them and make them talk but that's not the way it works if you believe you receive this here's what you do you ask and then you believed you received it you began to speak you be, you began or in other words you got to make noise with your vocal cords and then you and then god here's the miracle of it god then hooks up with your vocal cords at a moment at that moment you begin to speak and gives you this language that you don't understand but this is coming out of you and you're going wow that's the language and i don't get it but it's a real language and it's the holy spirit giving you that language does that make sense 
So here's what's going to happen. We're going to pray. And we're going to give you two options. If you want to be filled with the Spirit this morning, we're going to pray for you. And the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and fill you with the Spirit, okay? We're going to pray for people to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Pastor Tondra, Pastor Ashley, and myself, we're going to lay hands on you this morning. Uh, now, if you would like to receive your prayer language, here's what we're going to do. We're going to dismiss the rest of the class, and you stay here, and we'll go a little deeper, and we'll work with you to receive this. And we're not going to make you do anything weird, I promise. In fact, there were a couple of people at church last night that couldn't be in the class today, and, and they began to ask me about it after church, and I said, will we feel now? They said, yeah. So we came in, we came in this room, and we prayed, and both of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and got their prayer language last night. Isn't that cool? So, uh, so the way I instruct you in this is real simple. I've done this many, many, many years. Instructed thousands of people, mostly little kids, to be filled with the Spirit. It's real simple. It's so simple a child can get it. But we're going to pray for you, and if you would like to, here's what happened with my mom. Trudy told my mom about this, and my mom was a little skeptical, and she, was, she said, I am not quite ready for that. Then she went home, and later that evening, she calls Trudy up and says, I think I got it. And Trudy said, what? She said, well, I did what you told me, and, and I'm praying in this language. And Trudy said, yes, you received it. And so you can do this at home. But it is kind of cool to receive it when the anointing's flowing with others.